all of the problems that were out there on the supply chain, none of them were really new. What we saw is a big surge in demand, breaking a lot of these out at the same time. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76. It's no secret to anyone that the past couple of years have been pretty ugly on the supply chain front. So where exactly are we in this crisis? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And what exactly can manufacturing leaders learn from everything that's transpired in recent times? My guest today is a true supply chain expert. And we'll tap into his experience to touch on all of this and more. Let me introduce him. Jim Pratt is a co-founder and managing partner at Forsyth Advisors, a sourcing consulting firm based in St. Louis, Missouri. Since 2002, Jim has worked exclusively with small to mid-sized companies with revenues ranging from 10 million to over 750 million. Jim creates operational strategy, manufacturing implementation, and sourcing improvements in a wide range of industries, including aerospace, automotive, consumer packaged goods, contract filling, electronics, heavy industrial, light industrial, safety, and value-added distribution. His previous experience includes leading the first Asia sourcing group at GE Transportation, creating a domestic supply chain for Alstom, and driving sourcing cost savings across Harbor Group's portfolio of middle market companies. Jim is an engineering graduate of WPI with a master's degree from RPI. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, good to meet you. So Jim, you are a supply chain guy that has had eyes and ears inside of a lot of manufacturing organizations. Tell us from your perspective where we're at in the current supply chain crisis and what the outlook is. I, I think probably the current crisis peaked Oh, four or five months ago, where really everything kind of hit the the most critical uh, shortages. People have largely kind of maintained and figured out the, the short-term recovery and are now looking at how they're going to make that steady state. You know, we're, we're starting to see some easing in the heavy commodity price inflation. Steel's kind of plateaued. Aluminum's looks like it's hitting its pike. Plastic's gone down a little bit. So we're, we're kind of coming over the big peak. People have started filling up inventories again. The container shortage still seems to have high pricing, but it's, it's kind of leveled off as far as people being able to find containers and getting product here. So we're, we're seeing a lot of the, the critical issues being resolved, uh, but there's still this sense that we need to shore up the things that kind of were weaknesses that were exposed by that big demand spike. Great. What would you say manufacturers should be doing right now in terms of risk mitigation? I think it's really looking through the, the current supply chain and looking for where they're sole source, looking for where they have a lot of uh, country risk, uh, single country exposure, and, and looking for some of the gaps where they have 
long lead times, long supply chains, you know, difficult freight challenges, and, and, and pushing to kind of look at those areas and figure out where mitigation is, is worthwhile. Would you say that cost savings are something that should still be pushed in an inflationary environment where, I mean, I know you mentioned that prices of steel and plastic and lumber, et cetera, are maybe starting to level, but you know, we know they're still high. We know that's still an, an issue in causing, you know, causing issues for companies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's challenging with the, the current suppliers because all of their costs have gone up. So if you go back and you're, you're asking your current guys for lower pricing, their, their very quick answer is, what are you talking about? My freight costs have gone up. I can't get labor. It's more expensive. I can't get materials. You know, everything's driving up. Why are you asking about cost savings? I want to increase your price. But what, what we find is when we're working with companies is there are segments where there are big strategy improvements that can be made, kind of step function changes in certain commodities. So while, while I don't think it's a good time to try to leverage your suppliers into lower pricing, it's not a good idea to go out and just blindly quote a big pool of suppliers. Looking and talking strategically about individual big ticket spend categories and figuring out where improvements can be made of that 20, 30, 40% kind of cost savings. Those are the types of things that that we're finding the most impact from doing right now in this environment. Are, are there, is there anywhere else uh, where you feel like companies should be focused on eliminating costs? You know, the the labor challenges that are are out there right now, you know, are kind of all through the supply chain and, and in-house. I, I think in addition to kind of looking at what's being made, we're looking at opportunities for changing levels of assembly. If you're buying something as a finished good, buying those components or, or sub-assemblies and then doing labor in-house that might, might kind of give both a cost advantage as well as you know, some of the risk mitigation of being able to control that, that process. We've seen people looking at reshoring, nearshoring initiatives, you know, diversifying country risk. So if, if they're buying from one supplier in China, looking at both getting it so they're not sole sourced with someone and so they don't have pure country risk in China and trying to do something either other low-cost countries offshore or Mexico or, you know, if it's a product that's suitable for automation and can be done competitively in the U.S., we've, we've been helping a lot of folks do that as well. Jim, you said to me in a previous conversation that during maybe more stable times, supply chain folks tend to focus on managing existing supply to make sure you have what you need when you need it. You also said that it takes kind of a different skill set when you hit more of a crisis mode like we've been in over the last year or two. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Sure. Yeah, we have, you know, in in normal times, buyers, purchasing managers are are really focused on managing the supplier relationships with the folks they have, working on fulfillment. So making sure they're getting parts on time, resolving quality problems and working continuous improvement projects uh, with their supplier. The, The type of crisis that we're in and, and hopefully coming out of soon really pushed it so suppliers were just unable to deliver. You know, companies had high demand, were unable to get the components and raw materials they needed to uh, fulfill that demand. And that took a different set of challenges than just 
working the relationships you had with existing suppliers. It took networking to find alternate sources. It took deal makers to be able to really kind of figure out how to position you as a buyer um, as an important potential customer for a supplier. So they would go above and beyond and look at you as a good target, a good opportunity, and, and push to get the product that was needed. So most of the calls we were getting weren't from sourcing managers, buyers. They were from CEOs, VPs of sales, CFOs, folks that you know had now been you know mired down into the task of working with suppliers and finding new sources and getting product through the door. And it's a different skill set that was that was required by them. One that I think that wasn't in kind of the day to day job description of a buyer. Jim, are there any examples you can give of, you know, real life challenges with real manufacturers that you've seen during the supply chain crisis and sort of how they've dealt with some of those things? Yeah, yeah. I guess on the, the commodity increase side, companies end up having to pay the higher prices for their inputs, the steel, aluminum, plastic, electronics, things like that. And then they, they have to figure out how to get that through to customer pricing in a way that's fair. They're they're ending up paying their pricing before they're, they're passing it on to customers. So we, we've often had to work with them to look at in, in very volatile commodity times. How are they doing customer pricing? How are they doing supplier pricing? And, and getting those two things to match. Part of that is going back to the basic commodity indexes, formula, uh, creating formulas to do pricing adjustments and making sure that what you can pass on to customers is tracked the same way as, as what you do with suppliers. And then we've had a number of companies we've worked with that just got really out of line on that, causing you know big swings in as their prices were going up, they weren't able to pass them on to customers. Then they implemented some price changes and followed the commodities down, you know, without making up the the uphill that was already there. Really kind of creating that lack of back-to-back pricing that that, that put them in some real cash flow and uh, and, and earnings situations. We, we also have seen a lot with shortages on individual parts causing companies to really just not be able to meet their their customer demands. So they've got everything to build a product except for a couple of pieces, maybe a control board because of the chip shortage or possibly some component that's coming from China because there wasn't container availability. And you know, the, the buyers are, are trying to figure out ways around that, but often aren't equipped to really kind of go through and get to who are the other people that have bought this? What are the secondary markets available to purchase this type of component or product? And we're finding that a lot of times people going and using tools like LinkedIn to find people that they're loosely connected to, especially up at the C-suite, and use those connections to kind of navigate and find other people that are also using that product, might be able to help them out, have kind of networked their way to a solution for that problem. The other thing we've kind of seen is just that general cost increase you know, for a lot of companies kind of hits them to a pricing point where they're not able to sell the product anymore. It 
you know, the the reaction time that's required for people that were importing toys from China to be able to switch that when the container ends up going up three times and, you know, you now have what was a dollar novelty toy that costs $4 to get into the country really put situ- companies into a situation where they were unsure on what to do. Many of them didn't react to that quickly enough or or just gave up on being able to find the solution. But a lot of the ones we, we were able to work with, it took kind of these rapid redesigns, working with local colleges, working with uh, design firms, working with shops in Mexico and the U.S. to come up with some kind of an alternative with that huge increase in freight costs that uh, could still be competitive. Um, you know, while the situation's seeming to, you know, kind of be at the peak now, you know, toy manufacturers, people with Christmas type goods really hit a problem because prices were, were peaking and continuing to go up right through that, that Christmas season. So, you know, the, the urgency and the time side of things really became an issue there. What do you what do you think, Jim? In terms of when are things going to start to level out a bit, or is there going to be is there a new normal now? Is are we going to get back to more regular times in terms of you know what's going on in the supply chain? What's your perspective? Yeah, I, I mean it does have to have to go back. You know the the spikes in demands are things that people put production in place for. The chip shortage. Um, you know people are building capacity now anticipating later in the year you know they'll be able to be kind of up with that new demand and new requirements you know the commodity markets steel aluminum those types of metals you know that that demand will kind of subside people will go up we've seen things like lumber already kind of come back down off the uh, off the peak and normalize you know freight is slowly going back down. We're seeing containers today at around eleven thousand uh, dollars, from prices that were in the twenties to to thirty thousand dollars last year. But it's it's still got a ways to go before it's getting into the you know three to five thousand uh, dollar range again. You know, companies have passed along some price increases. Many of them have. Uh, a lot of those are sticking. You know, there, there's probably more inflation than there would have been if we hadn't had a massive demand spike. But it should it should normalize to something more realistic. I, I think there's always certain sectors and you know, specific products that you know, get hit and, and won't come back. But for the most part, we're starting to see things normalize. There's there's a light. It may be quite a ways down the tunnel, mm-hmm. but but there's a light at the end of it, and and companies are going there. I, I think the biggest challenge we have now is preparing. So we we learn something out of this and have a a more nimble uh, supply chain that can react when there are uh, crises in the future. All all of the problems that were out there on the supply chain. Uh, None of them were really new. What we saw is a big surge in demand breaking a lot of these out at the same time. So we've had container shortages, you know, everything from West Coast port strike a few years ago to you know, some of the other problems that have you know, caused an inability for people to get ocean freight over the Pacific. Um, we've had commodity spikes routinely in the past but we've had weather shut down you know different industries and, and create commodity uh, problems before 
you know, it's just right now we've had a lot of those happen and we've had a 20% demand spike coincide. So it, it highlighted, it, it kind of sunk the water level so all the rocks and peaks are showing through. But I think it's it's raised awareness out of the, the management teams of manufacturers that we don't want to go through this again. We're going to figure out a way around it and, and we're going to fix it. So we're seeing people really making that effort to, to get there. Well, it's good. Everybody who comes out in one piece will hopefully be more prepared for the next time around. Yeah. Yeah, another side of the manufacturers that we get into is the mergers and acquisitions. We work primarily with private equity portfolio companies, but help a lot of private equities when they're going through due diligence at companies. And then when you're buying a company, you're looking at all of the risks and how they're maintaining, managing it, and what's going on. So in times like these, you know, they're looking at buying a company. They see someone with sole source issues in China, you know, big demand coming in from, from COVID. You know, they're, they're trying to piece all this together and say, you know, where are the risks? Are they manageable? You know, can I fix this after I buy this company? And prices for companies are really high right now. So am I willing to pay a premium with all this risk out there? And, and, and what we're seeing is, you know, it, it takes a little bit of effort, but putting a plan to mitigate this risk isn't, you know, overly complex. It doesn't cost a lot of money. It's not raising companies' costs uh, permanently. Often it's saving them money. And, you know, we can we can do all of that with the equity groups to kind of show them how this risk can be mitigated and, and how, you know, they can feel comfortable with this company they're buying in, in times like these. The the other thing that often highlights is, you know, some of the steps that that people take to to get around pressures don't closely follow the you know, kind of the ethical side of things. We we see people kind of fraudulently adjusting prices on customs documentation to avoid higher tariffs and offset some of the uh, the increases in in tariffs and freight and, and doing other actions that you know, aren't aren't exactly legal or ethical to get around this. So we found this is a time that it's also important that management teams are are kind of hyper vigilant on kind of keeping the the high ethical expectations most companies have and not letting people cut corners to to make up for for some of the other challenges that are out there. Well Jim, this is a really great conversation. I appreciate you doing this today. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and also where they can learn more about Forsyth Advisors? Yeah, Forsyth Advisors. Our website is uh, ForsythAdvisors.com. We're in St. Louis. All of the contact information for our team's on there. Perfect. Well, Jim, once again, thanks for doing this today. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.